When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Football. All right. Welcome in to a live Feedback Friday edition of Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we fly this plane without a pilot today. Declan is... Uh, enjoying himself a wedding weekend, some sort of golf scramble this morning. And so Mm. if the production plane crashes, well, Mm. blame us, I guess, today. The show is presented by our friends at TCL, which has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, and home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Learn more at TCL.com. And these live Feedback Friday episodes live on the Purple Daily YouTube channel are presented by Surly Brewing and the Before I Die Lager, which we can talk about in depth more later in the show. Look at that can. Look at that. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful, huh? Huh? Before I die. Old Mechadek got into a couple pints of those over at the Surly Brew Hall earlier this week. I told you. Last weekend. Solid beer. Session beer, too can have a few of them without it affecting your um, ability to function and talk football. That's what session beer, dumb question. So a session yeah. beer is like? Like a 4.5. Okay. So so it doesn't, like, if you have a seven, a seven, it's not going to be a session. It's going to be you passing out quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, and you can, my God, it's sneaky sometimes. You walk in and there's like a nine uh, or a 10%. Like, oh, this would be great. I'll have a couple beers. No. Tell me about it. Hey, I'm. <laughs> Check out the comments here quickly, Phil. And I just want to tell you, I'm a little bit triggered by something that I think is, it's not people's fault, but I think it's its a narrative being put out there. So if we could touch on this quick, um, I would like to. And it's this. If Daniil Hunter is traded, it's an issue. And we'll talk about it, okay? But Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Eric Hendricks being gone is not a rebuild. It's not a, like there is a, I saw a Star Tribune column to today. Now, in fairness to Lavelle, it did say if, if Hunter is dealt and that, that would be a different conversation. But if you look at the negative, like what I, I think are negative impact um, losses from mm-hmm. the roster so far, I would say ideally, and the Vikings agree with this, ideally Dalvin Tomlinson sticking around would have been nice. So like that is an advert that's going to affect you probably adverse adversely, but Patrick Peterson, Eric Kendricks, Thielen and cook. Those are, those have nothing to do with, Oh my God, they're starting. They that's a natural progression of things. So I just, I, 
I want to put an end because I feel like it's being put out there by some uh, who basically are in our jobs too. So I'm not faulting fans. Wow. Name but, names, name well, names. Well, Florio, uh, Florio. Yeah. He's, and he's a big Viking fan. And I like, you know, Mike's fine, but the Give problem is the, but the problem is that there are some people who are friends with players in Mike's case. I think he's just a huge fan, but the loss of Dalvin cook, I don't think has any impact on your record at all. Eric Kendricks might be a positive. Yes. Thielen, no, I'll, I'll go you know, as far. Yeah. Dude, I'll go as far as saying all due respect to, cause I don't want, I don't think we need to do this conversation every time. Not that we do. Right. Crapping on Thielen and Kendricks and no. cook who were great Vikings players. But I saw my God, I saw a couple like Packer media guys yesterday. And I saw one, I saw a Lions media guy too, like in-division rival media guys, right, who are like cheerleading on behalf of their team. Boy, look at all the pieces the Vikings lost. Thielen and Kendricks and now Dalvin Cook. It's like, dude, Dalvin Cook was dead last in rush yards over expected last year among qualified running backs. Replacing him with a committee is a positive and you get to save that money to work in extensions for players in their prime. They're going to get, it's funny because they're going to regress based on, they're not going to win the fourth quarter. Like they did. They're not going to go 11 and 0 in one score game. So like they're going to regress from 13 down to something just by factoring that in. Sure. How do you fight against that regression? How do you push back against the inevitable losses and by making changes and getting younger and getting rid of fading players. Now, Daniil Hunter that's a different conversation. That's a much more nuanced, difficult, in-depth conversation. We get, let's let's get into the feedback here because we do have a bunch of questions about cool. all these players here. But let's start here. And, and you can always send in anything you have, questions, comments, concerns, critiques to the Score North app. There's a feedback tab. It's the best way to get in touch with us. And we try to get to as many as we can here. We'll be live for like, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes here on this Friday. And then we're going to be live again at the top of the next hour, a little after 11 o'clock on the Score North YouTube channel mostly talking twins and clowning around today. But Jeff T says with the trading of Zadarius Smith and releasing Dalvin cook, Quasi's off season gamble with them has come to an end and spoiler alert. It wasn't a good gamble needing to be cap compliant back in March. The Vikings would have saved roughly $18 million on this year's cap and even more for 2024. Had they just cut the cord on these guys three months ago, Quasi felt those guys had trade value and didn't outright release them before the new league year, instead opting for the confusing Cousins cap conversion and shoving a bunch of money from Cousins' contract into the future. So, and this is true. On the eve of the, if I remember right, it was like March 14th or something. I'm pretty sure it was on the eve of the new league year, and the Vikings had to do something to get cap compliant. Yep. And rather than releasing Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Cook, which would have saved a chunk, they decided to shove money from Kirk Cousins' contract into a future year that he's not actually under contract, into a void year, right? The question now is, was it worth it? Answer, hell no. The Vikings upgraded a couple draft picks, like day three draft picks. I'd rather have the extra $16 million on next season's cap that you pushed from Kirk Cousins' contract. Phil Declan and Quasey should have listened to Judd, who back in January said Zadarius and Dalvin, along with Kendricks, Thielen, and Harrison Smith, were worth approximately a bag of footballs and a jugs machine on the bloated contracts they had. Jugs Bottom line, this didn't work for Quasey. The Vikings put $16 million in dead money on their books for next year in order to get peanuts 
for Smith and Cook. All right, lots to unpack there. Um, first of all, I do think on Smith and Cook, Quazy's process was flawed. So I, I think the process of jettisoning the players you can quibble with, and it was flawed. Um, I especially was very, I was heartened by the, the fact that they were very proactive with Thielen and Kendricks and basically said, you're gone, which was great because that's exactly what I, I wanted. And they swallowed hard and took the entire hit on, on Thielen, I think, for 2023, which I also absolutely love. So, yes, on Zadarius Smith and on Cook, I think that I think there was probably a better way to go about this. And it's weird because in the case of Z, they did get a couple of picks. Now, they also traded picks, so it, it's a little bit of a wash, although they upgraded. Uh, and in the case of Cook, you know, we know at least the Dolphins sniffed around. Now, Breer came, Albert Breer of SI came back and tweeted yesterday that the Dolphins got cold feet, but he didn't say why. Again, is that because the Vikings potentially asked for too much? Is that because Cook did indeed take a physical with the Dolphins and failed it? We don't know that. Um, but I think there is a big difference here as, as I think about the criticism. Okay, Phil, mm -hmm. I think that there's a big difference here between, I think your process was flawed and you screwed up beyond belief. And this isn't even close to Boy, that. Okay. You mean there's a gray area in today's society that we can well, have a I mean, level-headed conversation things, in? And there are some things about, about Quazy because he's new to this job that do concern me a bit about how he sees things. I don't know. I don't know that trying to translate the stock market to football across the board does work, but we'll see. Like that's we we'll see on that one. Yeah. But the point is, yes, I do. I agree with what with what the person wrote. I agree with that about Cook and Smith. I, however, don't think like it's this huge demerit against Quazy, and now I've lost all faith. Yeah, I think. I think you have to build in room for mistakes. I mean, we read that Joe Banner. Joe Banner was the longtime president of the Eagles in the early to, late 90s into the early 2000s when they built up one of the best franchises in the NFL. They went to like four straight NFC championship games, a Super Bowl. They didn't win one. but um, and, he, and he said, you're going to make a mistake sometimes as a GM, but are you laying down good process? And he said, this is good process to build a sustained winner over time. And that's one thing that we have not seen. We've seen sustained division contenders from the Vikings. But even that, it's like, the Vi I, when's the last time the Vikings went to the playoffs three straight years? I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to pull that up real quick. Can you tell me the last time the Vikings went to the, is it 98, well, 99, 2000? Yeah, probably. Green. Because, Child wait, yeah, no, Childress didn't go three straight years. He went two straight years. It's uh, 98. They went yeah. five straight years from 96 through 2000. Yep. They have not, they have not had sustained. In fact, dude, the last time they went back to back to the playoffs, 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. That's like a decade and a half ago. Yeah. Cause Zim was up and down. Yes. Good year, disappointing year, good year, disappointing year. And never train wrecks, really. It was like his train wrecks were seven and nine in yep. 2020, got him fired a year later at eight, nine, right? Uh, but my point is the Vikings, when they peak and they become a Super Bowl contender, it's never sustained because they're always like patchworking a veteran quarterback, a Brett Favre or a Randall Cunningham or Bradford into Keenum, right? That kind of a thing. Right. So how can this front office build something that where you're not just like flirting with nine and 10 wins every year, but where you are 
11, 12, 13 wins, and you are in the playoffs for four or five straight years. That's what I'm interested in. And hanging on to veteran players who have bloated contracts is the worst way to go about that strategy. So, And you're not going to be perfect with this. I agree with the, with the premise of the email. He thought he was going to get something, I think, yeah. more than he got for Zadarius and Dalvin Cook. Yes. And that's why they waited to release those guys. And turns out they weren't valuable. He thought that he could fool people because in his mind, his stocks had declined, but he, he was still trying to milk them for what, what they were potentially worth. And that's not how this league works. Like if some Yahoo in St. Louis Park can tell you that these guys aren't going to get you much, if anything, guess what? The guy sitting in in um, uh, Cleveland or the guy sitting in with the Giants, right? He ain't saying, oh, Zedaria Smith's available. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I do think I do think the process was flawed. But the most important thing is this. And this is where we have to be somewhat patient. Quasi Delfamensa is new at this still. Like, I th- if he is as smart as he seems, he will learn. So, like, the stock market philosophy will apply in some cases. I'm not saying across the board it won't apply. I'm just saying you don't – this is not a league in which you want to try to get too cute because you're dealing with a lot of sharps and shrewd people who know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. So here's – on the other side, here's the next comment via the Scorner Thab. This is from Mike Malkovich. I think Quasey is a genius, and we're all missing out on what he's doing. Hear me out here. We all know the formula is quarterback on a rookie deal, allowing for a stacked roster around that quarterback so you can win games sustainably for years. The Eagles just got to a Super Bowl this way. Kansas City's first Mahomes Super Bowl was this way, et cetera. And there's a bunch of examples of teams that maybe get there and lose or whatever. What we're all forgetting is that there's a massive timing aspect to it all. If you suck and have the number one overall pick and you get the franchise quarterback, by the time that team is good enough to win, that quarterback needs to get paid. The Bears are already into year three of fields, nowhere near a Super Bowl. Same with the Jags and Trevor Lawrence, although I think the Jags might be knocking on that door starting this year. This might pop. I agree with you, though. might pop up. The real formula is stack your roster and then get the rookie quarterback. It also means that the quarterback doesn't have to be as good to carry the franchise because you're plugging him into a better uh, infrastructure. Kwesi is setting us up for a dynasty run. Get the flag, he says. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. We're going to get the flag out. There it is, folks. There it is. Dynasty run. Belichick Patriots. So Mike Mike continues and says, next year the Vikings will have one need, quarterback of the future. They'll feel confident trading three future first-round picks to move up because they can fill any of the other holes with the cap space that Kwesi has created. This coming year, the Vikings will be a 500 team or so. But 2024-25 through 2028-29 will be a five-year run where the Vikings are serious Super Bowl contenders. Love the show. Growing up in Duluth, Minnesota sports in my blood. So I love that point. Um, Now here's the problem. It very much, because it sounds like there are going to be, there's going to be one potential, and I say potential because we have not started the college football season yet. One potential um marquee marquee you know uh generational potentially qb the usc kid the north carolina kid sounds like he's he is very good um and so this comes back to what we've discussed already quite a few times which is this if the worst two teams in the league 
need quarterbacks. There ain't nothing, in my opinion, that's going to pry that pick away from that team. Yep. So, like, that's where you're playing. You're playing a dangerous game here if that's your thought process. But I, I like what he's saying because I do think that there is there is a thought process that exists in TCO that Kevin O'Connell can identify a quarterback who might not be considered a generational talent, but that he can mold into a really good young QB on a rookie contract. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, in general, listen, if I can get Joe Burrow number one overall, I'll take him and I'll figure out the rest of my roster like the Bengals did. And it took them two or three years, but here they are. But I also love what Mike is laying out here. I think Mike's a little aggressive with the dynasty run. And as a couple commenters have pointed out, let's get to the playoffs two years in a row before we start talking dynasty. Yeah. Let's get back to a Super Bowl for the first time since the 70s before we start talking dynasty here. But building up a great roster, premium positions, and they're kind of doing that. Left tackle, pass catchers. They need some cornerbacks to pan out here starting in 2023. But if you set your framework, it makes it a lot easier to be willing to trade future first-round picks to move all the way up. Because the problem this year, it's like, man, yeah, I need a franchise quarterback at some point, but also need defensive help, also need maybe some interior offensive line, and we only have five draft picks. So it just... It, if if these last two drafts start to pan out and now all of a sudden you got two or three starting cornerbacks that you trust, okay, mm-hmm. you're gonna it's gonna hurt less to be aggressive trading up for a quarterback. But to your point, yeah, like if Drake May and Caleb Williams are going number one and number two and the and the two teams drafting one and two need quarterbacks, you're not gonna get those guys. Uh Aram says, seen Ingram, Booth, Asamoa, Addison, Blackman, six guys with huge question marks drafted the last couple of years injuries aren't an excuse when injuries are already built into a guy's profile and you draft him if at least four of these guys don't take massive steps forward in 2023 i'm out on quasi and grigson Woo. well first of all that's aggressive. aggressive that's aggressive nice job uh all right that's an that's a really intriguing point and he's talking i think mainly about booth there uh who came to the Vikings with a with a resume riddled with in injury problems, and that continued. Um, so there's a couple things at work there. Number one is, and we don't know this, and it, to me it really intrigues me, what is Ryan Grigson's role? Like, is he Quasi's football football guy? Is he the guy? He's like the saying, chief football guy. He's the, yeah, the but, I mean, we CFG don't, of the like, Vikings. How much say does he have? How much say does the coaching staff have? Is there, uh, is there too much potential collaboration all of those things we don't know am i out on quasi if the 2022 draft class uh doesn't produce and the 2023 draft class struggles it brings up some big question marks uh i would probably give it one more year but again i would love to know what that process is i would love to know is quasi relying on grigson and other people is he relying on grigson is o'connell involved in the defense as well like there's a lot of things that we don't don't know and you know i go back to the day that i think it was seifert then covering the vikings at the star tribune asked ziggy who was new at the time how does your system work and he's like we got we got brzezinski we got uh, childress we got and that's where the triangle of authority came up and it's like, okay, that ain't going to work. So I would yeah. love to know. I would love to know who actually should shoulder the, the blame. Quasi will because he's the, the GM. But that brings up a lot of very intriguing questions to me. 
Yeah, I I think we're not going to know. We, we're going to know a lot more about the 2021 or uh, 2022, his first draft class yes. in six months from now. That's when you can really start to judge. I really like the Hawkinson trade, but you do need two or three years to to let this thing play out. Paul in Connecticut, love the show. Thinking about you guys as Father's Day approaches. Lost my dad recently as well. It sucks. Paul, we're sorry to hear that. Yep. Uh, we are the, the dead parent society here on Purple Daily and Score North. One factor that I don't understand how it impacts the decision to trade or release Dalvin Cook is the compensatory pick formula. Judd, can you explain this? Because we've gotten this question from a few people. Yes. So they don't they weren't going to get a comp pick for Dalvin Cook unless he played out the entire contract and walked, right? Yes. So if so if you release a player, the compensatory pick possibility goes away. So like da- Dalvin Cook probably if he had walked as a true free agent i don't mean he was cut and then walked i i mean he played out the contract i bet he would have got you like a fourth or fifth round pick um but because he was or because he is as of the recording of this at 10 30 on friday morning going to be released you will get nothing for him and you will like it yeah that's the thing like when you sign when you signed him to that five or six year crazy contract a you knew that he wasn't going to play it all out you were going to come to a point where you're going to release him at some point. And then you also know that he's going to, he's going to walk uh, only if you release him, which means you're not going to get a comp pick. So like the whole contract was a first guess. Just, it never really made sense. And I I saw this question a couple of times as well. Uh, The Quasi Adolfo Mensa administration did nothing with that contract. So they didn't play with it. Like they, they inherited it. Yeah. The The Thielen adjustment was theirs and was also not smart. Yeah. But if we're trying to uh, point fingers here, the Dalvin Cook contract is on the Spielman regime, and they basically had to say, okay, we can't pay that, and he- here we are now. Yeah. You know, uh, we're going to give Paul in Connecticut the feedback question of the week here on this live Purple Daily Feedback Friday. Cheers to you, Paul, courtesy of our friends at Surly with that Before I Die lager. Absolutely right. You know what? Available in liquor stores right now. Look at that can. We're talking about, as Phil just said, Surly, before I die, we all know what this is about. It's about the mission of this team winning a championship before we we die. And you can enjoy it even more with this can, with this beer available, as I said, in liquor stores. And here's the thing. So last year, I want to say it was just available in maybe four or six packs. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh, not anymore. Whoa! Right now, Whoa. show this sucker. Show this sucker. This well, you, want me, you, you, you want me to go wide here? Let no, me see. No big screen. So Let me see if I can. Let me see here. There we go. Can all old right, Macadac produce this? There That's he is. Nice. Look, look at that. Wow. Okay, so you can walk into your liquor store today and say, you know what? The mission starts now. I don't even need training camp. Mini camp next week. I'm going to enjoy this for the next few months and then into the season before i die from our friends at surly brewing and of course as always ladies and gentlemen once you uh, partake in that well phil what can they show us their cans that's right that's (laughs) right at score north on twitter at jay zolgad i just you know what we want to see you enjoying on the deck perhaps on a gorgeous night we want to see you enjoying before i die this is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines 
and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. So, and, and we can answer this here. So, Mr. Tonic Amps, because we've been getting this question. You know, Surly is back. He says, where did they go these past few months? Been absent from Judd's desk until today. So, sad. they... Sometimes uh, companies have different schedules as to when not every company is going to market their product anywhere or with us every day for 12 months. So they uh, they they jumped in in the spring for a bit. They're back here in the summer and they're going to be back on board for sure uh, for large chunks of the rest of the year. So we love working with Surly and we love Before I Die Lager. So thank you for your interest in our favorite craft beer on Purple Daily. All right, let's keep rolling here. Nicholas B says, correct me if I'm wrong, but currently there are the Vikings are under the cap with Cook's contract. So why trade him now or release him, I guess, is what uh, some running back will get hurt at some point and Cook's value could rocket, possibly landing us a good draft pick. Patience is a virtue. Why not be a little bit more patient with this Dalvin Cook situation? Because this gets back to the uh, entire conversation about the position he plays. The free agent market right now, if you look, is strewn with uh, Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott still out there, now Dalvin Cook. Um, If a running back on a team, a good team, let's say, got hurt in week two and you had Cook and you went to that team and said, okay, hands up, give me a third round pick. That team would say, we're going to go to the street and find what they call in this league a street free agents so unfortunately it's not like oh my god teddy bridgewater is hurt we will give you a first round pick for bradford that's not how this works so patience in this situation would have paid off with nothing yeah and i and they they clearly felt that vibe and so it's not like the niners with trey lance for instance where well let's just sell him off for 30 cents on the dollar in some crappy trade the Niners are going to play hardball and make it look like Trey Lance is in the mix as one of their quarterbacks. And then if a team gets a little desperate at the start of training camp or somewhere closer to week one, they might give the San Francisco 49ers a haul for a, the supply and demand is different though. Right. A, a lot of teams need quarterbacks. Not a lot of teams need running backs. So yeah. I also think with mandatory mini camp coming up next week, you're getting a little bit more serious about installing plays and just preparing and paving the path for training camp, which starts in like six weeks. I think they just wanted some clarity for the other running backs. You know, all right, guys, mandatory mini camp. We begin anew. It's a running back by committee led by Alexander Madison. You don't have to worry about this anymore. Mm -hmm. John Anderson says, after listening to the past couple episodes of Purple Daily and Purple Access, you guys have been discussing the Dalvin Cook release and possibly a, a Daniil Hunter release. It appears you guys are somewhat okay with all of that. Hunter trade. Like, don't I'm okay. He says, like, I am, I am okay letting Hunter go if he gets you in the right compensation. If you're okay, okay with that, why aren't you guys okay with moving on from Cousins? I wish we would have done it this year, but they elected not to. I certainly hope they do it next year, even if it means Nick Mullins or some sort of bridge quarterback. Why are <laughs> we drawing the line, I guess, at... Because, like, we're kind of... I get, but like you said yesterday, if it's a first round pick, you'd be fine trading Daniel Hunter. So yeah. why are we drawing the line saying no on Kirk Cousins? Like if the Niners came along late in the process instead, all right, screw it, we're going to give you 
Well, it depends we're going to give you a first is. round pick for Kirk Cousins before week one. Depends what the offer is. Um, I, I just don't. I think the quarterback position is such a different conversation. And and I don't see myself. I'm not sure how it comes off. I don't see myself as drawing a line here. Like, yeah, if you come to me and say, here's a first and, and a second for Kirk, I'm not going to hang up the phone. I, I will engage and I might do that trade. But you have to understand, you know, Daniil Hunter being traded would hurt, no question about it. And that is a different conversation than I think about the direction of your team. Uh, but the quarterback position, I mean, think about this, Phil. If you if you in, I don't know, July said, you know, San Fran called and Kirk said, oh, I will waive my no trade in a heartbeat. Are you kidding to go play for my guy, Kyle? And you trade Kirk and then let's say to go back to what he just said, you say, okay, we're installing Nick Mullins as our bridge quarterback. That's such a different conversation than saying, can I get people to pressure the quarterback from yeah. the defensive side where where Daniil is gone? I think the quarterback is just an entirely different conversation. He's worth more wins to the Vikings than Daniil Hunter is. Oh, yeah. That's that's why. it's. I mean, you're people are saying if you trade, you said this earlier, if you trade Daniil Hunter, you're setting up for a rebuild. Not really. Daniel Hunter's not like a two wins above replacement player. He's a really good edge rusher, but you're not going from, he's not the difference between 12 wins and like six wins. That's not, but if you say goodbye to a top 12 quarterback and you replace him with a below yeah. replacement level backup, it's a, it's a big organizational decision that I understand. Now I am, I remain on the record saying I want to get off the Kirk cousins contractual train as soon as it makes sense. And if a team offers me a couple second round picks or something at some point, I want to get draft pick compensation for Kirk. I don't think letting him walk for nothing makes any sense whatsoever. So you should either trade him or extend him another year so you can trade him with time left on his contract. If you let him walk for nothing, I think it's a big organizational mistake, a chance to leverage. I mean, look at dude, Matt Ryan got like a second and third round pick when he was on the verge of being cooked. Sam Bradford back in the day got a first round pick. You can get picks for guys like Cousins. So when you do say goodbye, do it strategically and get draft picks for him. When Cousins leaves, and I don't know when, but when he, he leaves, I'll bet you right now he walks. I bet I bet they don't trade him. Hmm. I bet they don't. Like yes, ideally, I'm a hundred percent with you. Uh, but I bet he I bet he walks but keep in mind too there's something mm. else too that's important to note so of the big names that have left th this team on the offensive side of the ball which is obviously kevin o'connell's place of expertise there's not one loss that if you pumped him full of truth serum he would say is a big one so like like mm. hunter from the defense would be and and we can debate the wins because yes that's a murky that's a very difficult conversation i think we talked about this yesterday if Hunter, if Hunter's um, departure potentially costs you wins, it's like half a win or something like that. But when you look at what they've done, I could tell you right now, and I know that people on the jerseys, and I know that they're popular names, but Thielen and Cook and anyone else who has left offensively, Kevin O'Connell does not deem to have been that important. So this is a good question from Brandon Ledoux here. Rank the coaching staff players, et cetera, for wins above replacement value. So again, PFF actually has this, and I think Sumer Sports, our guy Eric Eager, has this behind the scenes. If you have a top 10-ish quarterback, he would be the most valuable thing. Then if you have 
a top 10 coach. That's probably the second most valuable thing. There's only really a select group of non-quarterbacks that are worth a win above replacement. I'm guessing here, but I would I would guess Justin Jefferson is probably on that list or close to it. I don't know that there's any other, may, maybe like a franchise left tackle like a Christian Derrissaw. He's probably in that mix in terms of your, your, who are the five biggest needle movers for wins on this in this franchise from coaching staff down. Kirk, Kevin O'Connell, probably Jefferson, Derrissaw. This maybe Flores, maybe Brian Flores. Say. I wonder if Brian Flores is going to, this, this is really tough. So in coaching, I would take it that part of what you are, are going to use as a starting point is also what is done Monday through Saturday. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like you set the game plan, you set the agenda. Um, yeah. Brian Flores easily could, if this defense improves drastically, it's going to be in in large, large part because of him, not necessarily the players, although the players will get credit if they are used correctly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Sanchez says, I heard it paraphrased on the shows that the 2022 Vikings were a fluke, and that's why they're getting rid of the aging veterans because there isn't a way forward. Maybe I missed something, but aside from Jordan Hicks, who ended up taking a pay cut, just about every overpriced vet that was holding us back is gone. That team wasn't going to make a deep run with Donatel, but 2022 was a success because we needed to inventory the roster and find out if KOC could coach. And guess what, boys? He can. Sure, there were some hard lessons and there's room to grow, but mark my words, KOC 2.0 is coming soon, and it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay. I think, the, I think that's a good point. One is I do think he can flat-out coach, and I, I think most importantly, too, in 2023, I think he does a great job of, even before he starts the the X's and O's part of coaching, I think he does a great job of galvanizing a locker room, which is very important. Um, that So he brings up a point, though, that I am really, Phil, curious about, and it's this. I think we, as sports fans, are geared to think that change means, oh my gosh, what's going to take place? I think at least offensively, these moves are done with a very much an eye towards being able to do more, to be more multiple, to use personnel differently. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I find it intriguing. Um, just because guys are gone doesn't mean, oh my gosh, that was such a great run. And the other thing that I think that Quazy and Kevin have going for them right now, and this this could dry up in five years, four years. But anyway, right now, here's the thing I like the most. You know, the basis of the 2009 team that should have gone, I'm sorry to say this, to a Super Bowl, but was damn good and went to a, a conference championship game. Yes, in large part because of Brett Favre. But, you know, that team started to be molded by Brad Childress in 2006 because Brad had no loyalty to any of the veterans off the Tice teams. And if you recall, he just came in and let guys go left and right, and oh, it worked out really well. Yeah. for for a period of time might i suggest to you that this whole thing the key that that we are seeing and now there's a chance that quasi and o'connell feel a loyalty eventually to their guys but the ability to make the changes coming off a 13 win year and i can almost guarantee you if zimmer's team had you know popped back up in 22 right and won 13 games 
they aren't going to jettison Kendricks and Thielen and Cook. They might let some of them go, but not all of them. So, like, one of the things I really like here is the the lack of having been with these players for an extended period of time did, as as the person said, it allowed them to inventory the team without a blind loyalty to certain players, which is why I like what they're doing now because they're making moves based on one thing, football, not emotion, not, oh, I really liked. I'm sure Kendricks is a great guy, but they're not saying we loved him. They're saying he's a really good guy, but you know what he can't do? Can't play this game at the level that we need. And this is why I I think this is a great opportunity right now to turn over the roster with only football being the thought. I want to address this real quick here. This uh, uh, Dennis Green. Wow, Dennis Green coming from the from the outer world somewhere to yeah, ask. He doesn't like us. I've seen the comments. He's not a Mackie and Judd fan. You guys do not understand how good Kirk is. That's not true. He well, unless unless you mistakenly think he's one of the top three to five quarterbacks in the league. If you want if you want to sit there and make a case that he's better than Joe Burrow or. Josh Allen or some of these guys that have been going deep in the playoffs. I mean, you can dig that grave if you want to. I have consistently said he is somewhere between the 10th and 14th best quarterback in the NFL. There are stretches where he's closer to like sixth or seventh. The problem is when you talk about contracts, what's funny is like, this is the first year where he's actually had a, like a much lower cap hit because they've shoved so much money into future years, but the roster is not as good as it's been in, like the defense is rebuilding and stuff, but people like hang their hats on the Kirk defenders. This pisses me off so much. He's getting market value. What do you want? Like he's getting what he, he's getting what he deserves. Okay. Let's take that logic to the nth degree here. Mm-hmm. If you're just going to defend a team's decision-making based on giving market value to every player, how are you going to build a Super Bowl roster? You build a Super Bowl roster by getting under market value price on a player playing above market value, if that makes sense. So Kirk Cousins at like $5 million as the Washington quarterback seven years ago is extremely valuable. And now you have more room to go get other players. If you're going to build a team that has a quarterback, an edge rusher, a couple wide receivers, a tight end, and a cornerback and a linebacker all making market value, they're all literally going to be making... 15, 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year. Let's say seven players are making market value, eight players. You're going to fill out the rest of your roster with minimum wage players? So t- this is what we talk about. It's about it's not about clowning on Kirk, it's about building a roster that can win a Super Bowl. And when you're when you have a non-elite franchise carrying quarterback, he's a very good quarterback. He's not Mahomes, he's not Burrow. But when you're giving that guy so much money, it makes it almost impossible to build out the rest of it unless you're perfect in the draft, right? And then what happens is we start to turn our attention to, like, well, you're not perfect in the draft. Therefore, the GM should be fired, right? It's like, well, you give yourself more leeway to be slightly imperfect in the draft when you're getting value at premium positions. End rant. Yep. And here's what's coming up. If you're a Cousins Crusader, here's here's the, I don't know if it's a problem, but it's going to be the issue. No question about it. Um, Justin Jefferson and Christian Derrissaw are going to get paid. And that, and now you're going to have, and yes, the cap will go up, so it doesn't make it impossible. But the point is, you're not going to fail to pay your star receiver or star left tackle. 
And so now Kirk is going to go from being at one point, the premium salary cap player to do you want to fit in here? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you'll be gone. Like, like there are decisions to be made here. There, there are moves that they are currently making to clear cap space because while Jefferson's contract has two years left, the reality is the Vikings are clearing enough cap space that they are going to shove some of the cap hit on extensions into the next two years, probably. Yeah. So like the, the cousins thing will clear itself up completely. It has to. And that's why the Vikings, it's not that the Vikings, I I don't think are desperate to jettison Kirk. It's that they are desperate to create a situation where they are not paying. You can't pay everybody and you're going to pay Derisaw and you're going to pay Jefferson. And I don't think there's a debate there. Yeah. Hey, uh, Adam Jackson wants to know what real information can be gathered from OTAs given the limitations of no pads or contact. I mean, Judd's been giving us all sorts of information yeah, for I, three weeks at OTAs. I take notes on my phone. Like, I, I don't get it. Give the, the what of, of no pads? Well, like, how can you really glean? He's asking, how can you really glean anything from an OTA practice when they're not actually, like, playing football? They're not, like, well, in no, they pads. Do have, or... No, but, I mean, they, they do, in shorts, have drills. And they do, towards the end of the three I've been at, do some team drill work, which is, you know, they, like they, they did on Tuesday a – two minute drill followed by field goals and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. like where guys are playing, who's playing where, who's, you know, the fact that when all of the safeties were back, Josh Metellus played with the first team in sort of a Rover role, for instance, and then was with seen with the second team at a traditional safety spot, but seen with the first team nowhere to be found. Like decisions are made. Keep in mind, the Vikings completely decided that Cam Bynum would start over scene last year based on this time of year. Mm-hmm. So, like, what we saw was no fluke of, well, we'll come back in training camp. Teams now, uh, between OTA and minicamp sessions, teams now are installing a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. they don't come. It's not like the, the old days. Hey, we'll see you on July 6th for training camp, and now we'll install everything. Yeah, and get so, in shape, right? Yeah, and 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 also, remember, training camp now is very different. You can't, I don't think, wear pads for, what, Phil, four or five days? I think it's day day four of training camp okay. when you can wear pads. And a lot of those practices are done basically in a lot of the same ways that the OTAs are. Mm-hmm. So I'm gleaning constantly. I'm no, I think uh, I think we all learned from Judd's little digital digital notes now. Now that he's emailing himself observations, it's great. I just don't know how how to use the notepad thing, so I just. What do you mean you don't know how to, to use Gmail. the notepad thing? I go to my Gmail, I open a file, I take notes, and then at the end of it, I send it to myself. But, but you have, don't you have the? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I haven't I haven't done that yet. Okay. It's great. I, I think do it however you want to do it because what, whatever you're doing is bringing some great observations to the to the program here. And you'll be at mandatory mini camp a couple days next week. Tuesday, Wednesday. Great. Live shows too, right? Yes, we'll be doing live shows awesome. probably, probably like afternoon time on uh, on those two days. Why don't you tell the audience real quick how they can lose weight for these summer months, by the way? Oh, that, that comes through the through the work, through the help of my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers. They are the ones who helped me a couple of years ago now drop 40 pounds. And the most important thing is they don't just help you drop the weight. They help you keep the weight off. And that is the key thing, right? We've all lost weight before. It inevitably comes back 
not with this program, not today, not know how. And do I've got a deal for you right now. Sign up now. Eight weeks for free. That's right. Eight weeks for free. And you can lose up to, let's say, 12 to 15 pounds by the 4th of July. Imagine that. 4th of July, mm. feeling good. Some clothes start to fit. A couple weeks after that, a ton of clothes that don't fit now fit. Look, it's a program that I can tell you from firsthand experience works. Again, eight weeks free. 855 go L-I-V-E-A. Livia, L-I-V-E-A dot com. Insider outside the state, it doesn't matter because if you are outside the state we've had a bunch of people from pd join and guess what it's all virtual they will send you the food livia.com that's how your weight loss journey begins awesome all right i think that's a wrap here on this so this is kind of the first half of our live friday experience we're gonna in about 10 minutes from now here if you're hanging out with us live in the purple daily youtube channel we're gonna go live on the score north youtube channel for minnesota sports with mackie and judd we got a couple more Vikings things, a bunch of twin stuff, and some uh, oh, some some Declan slander for something he said last week, and he won't even be there to defend himself. To going to be crazy. So thanks for hanging out with us. If you could click the subscribe button and the like button on this YouTube channel, you can help us spread the word about this awesome community of Vikings fans. And go pick up your Surly Before I Die Lager in your favorite local liquor store, Phil and Judd. This is Purple Daily, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die.